sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Um, I believe for many of us, she needs no introduction. Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. She's the wife of Bishop Doug Heward-Mills, presiding, <laughs> presiding bishop and founder of the Lighthouse Chapel International and Healing Jesus Crusade Evangelist. I just said that there's 3,000 branches of that church internationally and in Ghana. That's amazing. She's an attorney by profession and serves under her husband's ministry as a full-time pastor. Her duties include managing the Lighthouse Mission Schools, the Lighthouse Orphanage, and ministry to the blind, deaf, and beggars. She's an international conference speaker. You know, we're so blessed that we've got her today. She preaches on all topics to all people, irrespective of gender or age, to bring encouragement to the discouraged, help to the hopeless, and strength to the weak. She's a mother of four children. Ladies and gentlemen, shall we be upstanding? Help me welcome our guest speaker, Lady Reverend Adelaide Wadmills. Hallelujah. That was a very hearty clap, but I want you to give a resounding applause to Jesus. The one who paid the price. The reason why we are here, it's all about Jesus. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank you. Your word says, unto you shall the gathering of the people be. This evening I humble myself under your mighty hand, and I ask that you will use and anoint these lips of clay. Lord, touch lives forever. Lord, do what you want to do tonight, and give me the grace to speak from your heart. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, my helper, my guide, and my teacher. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, I want to thank God for this privilege of standing behind this pulpit, amen. And I also want to salute Reverend and Mrs. Whitcomb, my good friends of many years, amen. And um, I feel very much at home in your church already. And I want to also salute all the pastors and the leaders of this church and thank them for this honorable invitation. Amen. And I want to thank my husband for being a covering over his wife. Amen. 
And uh, I also want to salute all mothers. I want to say that mothering is not just biological, but mothering comes in many forms. Amen? I say that because it's biblical. The Bible says Eve means mother of the living. And because of that, Eve was here before you and I got here. And then Deborah says in the book of Judges, I arose Deborah, a mother of Israel. So you can be a mother of a nation and not just your little world in your home. Amen? And then God changed Sarah's name to the mother of nations. And he said that princes and kings shall come out of you. So biologically, she had only one child, but her sphere of influence made her mother so many. And so I want to salute all ladies that mother in different forms and different fashions. And especially, last night I was watching a program on Joy News, and there was a lady with a child who has cerebral, spinal something, CS. And it's not been easy for her. And as soon as she had that baby, her husband left her. And she has mothered the baby up to now. So mothering comes in different shades and different forms. And it takes the grace of God. And being a mother myself, I know that we don't always feel adept at the task. And we don't always feel we are so great. But God's grace helps us. And so we salute all forms of mothers tonight. And we appreciate you. Amen. Somebody sent me a WhatsApp message. Said that Valentine's Day was not about women, but they've made it to be about them. And now Mother's Day too, they are making it to be about them. But they are giving us notice that this Mother's Day, our husbands are also going to look for their mothers. So we should be put on notice. Amen. So I want to salute all mothers. And like your documentary said, we wear so many hats. We are nutritionists, we are domestic bearers, we are accountants, we are educationists, sometimes even the homework. I remember teaching my daughter once and she said, Mommy, it was three. She said, When she went, she got all wrong. But <laughs> I was trying. Another time it was math and she got two over ten. But when her dad helped her, she got nine over ten. So all that makes us the mothers that we are forcing to be. Amen. But this evening, I just want to speak to you briefly on the relentless woman. The relentless woman. And we are taking our passage from Matthew chapter 15. We're reading from verse 21. It's a popular story. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Amen. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, 
Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen. Now, we could call it the relentless mother or the relentless woman. And to relent means not to stop or to persevere against all odds or not to give up or not to get discouraged or not to be broken but to persist and to go on. That is what it means to be relentless. And some of us are not relentless because when it rains, we don't come to church. Amen? And some of us are not relentless even in following God because when you speak in the church and we've done something very great in church and you don't mention our names, we are not likely to persist. We are likely to be offended and not continue to come. Amen. And we can cry about a heartache for two years as women, but the relentless woman goes beyond heartaches. And sometimes when we get even a bad or not so good health report, we may not be relentless. We start to say goodbye already. But the relentless woman pushes through all odds and comes to a place where she actually meets God. Some of us are not relentless even in ministry. I've always said that if you want to be offended, then the best place to come to is to come into the ministry because you have a lot of great opportunities and flowery opportunities to be offended. But if we are going to be relentless, then we are going to go past being offended and wearing our hearts on our sleeves so that any small thing, we break down. And I believe that God is calling us to a place where we will be relentless women because life comes with many battles. Life comes with many storms. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. It doesn't say few. It says many. And I love Jesus for that because he always tells us as it is. He doesn't sugarcoat things like we human beings do. Like some of us, before we got married, there was a lot of sugarcoating. That is why you gave in in the first place. And then when you gave in, things were not like you thought. But God is not like that. He will always tell us, what is in it for us? He doesn't just sugarcoat it and then when we get there, we come into reality. No. He tells us, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He doesn't say, take up your checkbook or bank account or nice things that will encourage you. He says, take up your cross and follow him. Amen. And so, he doesn't promise us a flowery bed of ease, but he promises to see us through. Now, from the account of this woman, we see that the Bible says, Jesus went and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and the woman came out of the same coast. Amen? She came out. So a relentless woman is somebody who comes out. She could have stayed where she was. She could have stayed in familiar territory. She could have thought of so many reasons why she shouldn't come out. But as the master came out, she also came out. Amen? 
So to be relentless, we need to be able to leave our comfort zones. We need to be able to leave the places that are familiar. We need to be able to leave the places that will, will just cover us, you know, because when she came out, then she stood out. And she came out because Jesus had also come out of the coast. And some of us are born again, yes, we know God, yes, but we haven't come out. We haven't come out of the world. We haven't come out of certain places, and therefore we are not progressing in our walk with God. But the relentless woman must come out. Many years ago, when I had to respond to God's call on my life, I needed to come out of a group of lawyers, to come out of a place of, if you like, human respect and human honor. I remember my children saying, oh, mommy, when people used to ask us, what work does your mother do? And we said she was a lawyer. We commanded a lot of respect. But one of them said, but when I went to school and they asked me, what work do my parents do? And I said, they are both pastors. They said, oh, your parents are both thieves. But in spite of all that, I needed by the grace of God to come out. To come out of man's ideas. To come out of man's honor, if you like. Because I had a lot of advice. Well-meaning, but I still had to obey God. And you too will have to come out like this woman. If you are going to be relentless and you want to pursue God. You must come out of the world. You must come out of what is familiar. You must come out of even public opinion. Like if they say you two thieves, you know. Somebody said, I, I, I just want to die in the midst of lawyer, two lawyers. They said, why? They said, because I want to be crucified like Jesus between two thieves. <laughs> you know, so I had to receive the grace from God to come out. And I wish I could say, oh, it was very easy. You know, having heard from God, it was just easy. And then I stepped out in faith and glory to God. He was there. It wasn't like that. It was a lot of crying. It was a lot of difficulty. I knew that God had called me. But my difficulty was man, not God. And I felt that if I came out like that, I didn't have a problem with God, but with man. Man would say, my shoe is from the offering. And that hurt. Man would say... Everything I do is from the church, which was not so, or I didn't want it to be so. But in order to go far with God, I needed to come out of my own way of looking at things, come out of my comfort zone, because I was with people I was used to. I was with people I'd been to school to, from primary, some of them, to secondary school, to law school, to even work in life. But to go far with God and to obey God, I needed to come out. The relentless woman comes out. The Bible says God has called us out. We can't be like everybody. And we can't live like everybody. If we want to go far with God, then we have to come out of our familiar zone or what makes us comfortable? Amen, somebody. So she came out of the coast. And she cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me. She cried unto him, saying, 
have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Amen. The second thing about being relentless is we need to depend on God's mercy. We need the relentless woman learns to lean on God's mercy. I know that in the Bible and in charismatic circles, we believe in name it, claim it, and take it. And we believe that when we ask something in the name of Jesus, it shall be done. It is true. And we believe that what we bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. And what we lose in heaven shall be loosed in. But there's a place where you come to where it doesn't depend on our righteousness. Where it doesn't depend on how good we have done. Where it doesn't depend on the things that we have done. But it just depends on God's mercy. Amen. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, I believe, that his mercies are new every morning. Lady Reverend, what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Amen? Grace is unmerited favor. But mercy is, judgment has been passed. You've been found wanting. And the judgment that should be given to you or the sentences that should be given to you was not given to you. That is mercy. Amen. And it is one of my favorite topics to pray to God for mercy. I was talking to somebody who said, Lady Reverend, um, people say these disastrous things happened to me because God has cursed me. Or this thing didn't go well because... God, I, I, I did something and God's curse has come upon me. And so, Lady Reverend, how do you think I should pray? I said, look, pray about mercy. Because the Bible says in the book of James that mercy triumphs over judgment. The judgment is that you are wanting. The judgment is that you are not uh, uh, fit for that miracle. But God's mercy, the Bible says, triumphs over that judgment. So judgment a mercy is a good prayer topic to have. And not always, Lord, I did this, Lord, I did that. Lord, it's all well and good. But mercy covers even the parts that we don't know. And it covers the parts that we don't understand. Amen, somebody. I was once on an aircraft not long ago, going from Ghana to London. And very great turbulence hit, such that even airbags came down. And then... The air hostesses, just everybody, they just turned white and they disappeared. And the pilot said nothing. And I started to pray. I started to pray in tongues because at a point I didn't even know which topic. And at a point I was saying, Emmanuel, God, you are with us. God, you are with us. Emmanuel is with us. You rebuked the sea. You rebuked the storm. We speak calm. We speak calm. There was a lady by me whom I didn't know who was also repeating whatever I said, but amplifying it. So every time I said, Lord, Emmanuel, so she would say, Emmanuel. <laughs> and every time I said, rebuke the storm, rebuke the storm. It went off for a while. And then a thought came to me, but you are saying Emmanuel should rebuke the storm, whatever. Do you know all the people on this plane? And do you know whether some are occultists, some believe in God, whether some, what, do, do you know? 
And I said to Satan, but mercy triumphs over judgment. So then I changed my prayer and I said, cover us with your mercy. Oh, we knew there's mercy. God, who is rich in mercy? Then my counterpart was shouting, God, who is rich in mercy? Then at a point she said, Father, Mr. Seward Mills is on this flight. She has not finished her mandate, Lord. Lord, remember Bishop Dad. I said, wow, this woman knows me. So in the midst of the turbulence, I had to get a second to smile. But as we prayed for mercy, my little daughter was by me. And at the end, just close to Heathrow, that's when calm came. And then my little daughter who was by me, she was covered, so I thought she was asleep. When I took the cover off, her face was wet. She was crying and she was praying. And then when the calm came, she said, Mommy, this uh, lady by us, she doesn't seem to have any prayer topic. (laughs) Every time what you say is what she says. And I said, no, it's called the prayer of agreement. But as I called for God's mercy, this woman also agreed with me. And when we got to Heathrow, I said, oh, so do you know me? She said, oh, yes, I, I know you. I said, oh, I see. And then before the plane could land, people lined up. Men in their suits, well-educated, they lined up and they were coming to shake me. Thank you, Lady Reverend, for saving our lives. Thank you. I said, it's not me. It's his mercy. His mercy covered you. His mercy brought you through. It is of his mercies that we are not consumed. Therefore, this woman, she, she keyed in right. She said, Lord, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that Elizabeth, when she gave birth, her neighbors and her friends heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And then they came and visited her. Amen. So mercy is something a relentless woman should always fall on. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Because it is of his mercies that we are not consumed. Sometimes we get obsessed. Maybe it's a generational case. Maybe it's that all these maybes are true. But mercy triumphs over judgment. And God's mercy is able to bring the relentless woman through. Amen, somebody. And she said, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Many of us don't call a spade a spade. We call it an agricultural instrument. But agricultural instrument can be a garden fork. It can be a spade. It can be even a tractor. Agricultural equipment. But this woman named her problem as it was. Lord, have mercy for my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. A relentless woman faces up to the reality of the situation she's in. But many times, I don't know whether we feel we have to look good to God. So we don't want to call things the way they are. He said, oh, my daughter is having a bit of a problem. It is a demon. And this woman knew that it was a demon. Even we ourselves, we say we are born again. There are times when demons can influence you. And so when we are calling on God for help, don't say, oh God, this girl, she's making me always fall into fornication. Say, God, I have a problem with lust. And it is a problem. Please help me. When you are 
Asking God to help you with gossiping. Don't say, God, I, I tend to give a bit of information. That is not what it is. Call a spade a spade. Amen. If you are a rebellious woman, say, Lord, I have a problem with rebellion. But don't say, Lord, you know, the way I'm educated, I, I tend to, you know, have some um, uh, greenness of thought. And Lord, I know it is rebellion. Call it that. It is when we call it what it is that God can help us. God does not deliver us from our friends. He delivers us from our enemies. And so we should call things as they are. If we are going to be relentless with God, then if we have a situation, we should call it as it is. But every time we think we have to polish up, we have to look good, and we have to look, oh, Lady Reverend, I did it, but you see, the reason why I did it is this and that. We don't confess even our sins anymore as Christians. But the Bible says if we confess our sins, not our, our good deeds, our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to know that it is a sin. And Christians today don't call sin sin. They call it something else. So it's now a global village, lady reverend. What is sin? Sin is what you see as sin may not be sin. Look, God has said what it is. And let's call it as it is. A relentless woman to get help from God calls the situations in her life as it is. When Abigail, the wife of Nabal, went to see David, you see, sometimes it's good to be tactful, but you can't always be tactful. He said that, you know, my husband is called Nabal, and excuse me to say, David, he's a fool. But I have come to stand in his stead so that you will save our household. You have to call things as they are and not say, it is an agricultural instrument. That means there are five or six possibilities. Let's call it as it is. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And isn't it always amazing? I always see in the Bible that like this woman, she surely must have had a husband. But mothers have a way of pursuing things that relate to the children in a way that God has to respond. Amen. And many people have been raised by praying mothers. If you take the woman who was caught in adultery, she was not the only one because adultery is not committed by one person, but she was the one who was brought before Jesus. As if adultery is caused only by a woman. Amen, men. <laughs> and she was brought by some men that this woman has committed. But the man was left alone. It is so amazing. And this woman also came out of the coast of Tyre and Sidon and came to where Jesus was and pleaded for mercy and said, have mercy on me because my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. A relentless woman knows how to recognize what her problem is and to bring it to God exactly as it is. Not with imagery, simile, assonance, and alliteration, but she says it as it is. Amen, somebody. Those of you who do literature, you know what I mean. Those of you who do math and things, you're a bit lost. And his disciples, the Bible says, he answered her not a word. Amen. He answered her not a word. A relentless woman goes through moments when she feels that God is not listening or God does not hear. 
A relentless woman goes through moments when she feels either God is not listening or God does not hear. She's following Jesus. She's asking for mercy. She's calling a spade a spade. But the Bible says he answered her not a word. Everybody in your walk with God, you come to places where he seems not to answer you at all. I remember as a church when we were in Kolegono, and the community was very hostile. And people were coming up with all sorts of um, counsel. Some people said, do you have prayer walks? Some people said, oh, it's happening to you because you don't pray enough. But only God knows how much prayer went into that place. Amen? But some people said, oh, you don't pray enough. Some people had different reasons. And we called on God all the time. We walked in the streets of Kolegono. We confessed so many things. We did all that we could do. But he seemed not to answer us a word. As my husband would say, rather, our enemies seem to be putting on weight. And we seem to have a lot of trouble. My husband's office was bombed, literal bombing, you know, and bent down. Things came into the papers, different viewpoints. I mean, it was quite straightforward. Some people were put before the judges, and then politics set them free. The more we prayed, the less he seemed to be listening. On the day that we were even ordaining our pastors, that is when we were hit, attacked physically. There were broken bottles, everything, pregnant women passing out, blood on the floor, all that. God seemed not to answer us a word. But it was on that day when we were attacked that my husband had a meeting and said, does anybody know any place the church can move to? And the one pastor put up his hand and said, Bishop, I know a place in Kaneshi, but the price, we cannot afford it. And so, out of desperation, he went to see the people who own it. And like typical Lebanese businessmen, he said, well, money on the left, property on the right, and then you exchange. There's no nothing to do. So then we started to save towards it, ask God to help us. And then eventually we moved. And then a day came for the church to be dedicated. And the person who came from the U.S. said, we just want to bless God for Bishop Dag, for his vision of such a beautiful place for the church. He has brought the church into a good place. And my husband came up and said, it's no vision. It's not. It's just beatings. Beatings that have brought us to this lovely place. So sometimes you talk to God and he doesn't seem to answer. But his presence is still there. When the disciples went through the storm, the Bible says in the book of Mark, Jesus was asleep in the hindermost part of the boat. Asleep in the midst of a storm. Because our God is not moved. Whether it's fine weather, whether it's a storm, he remains the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So they went to shake him. And they said, carest not thou that we perish. And Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the sea, and then said, where is your faith? And then everything was calm. But he did not react during the storm. He didn't come up and say, hey, Peter, come. Let's have a prayer meeting. Let's do that. He was asleep. But the most important thing is he was still in the boat, even if he was asleep. 
So a relentless woman knows that God is there even when he doesn't answer a word. God is there even when he doesn't get up and become a man of action. His presence is with us. And that is why he's called Emmanuel. God is with us. But many times in your walk, you will walk through the season where he answers you not a word. Not because he doesn't want to answer, but because God's timing is not your timing. And God's ways are not our ways. Amen. But many of us, when he does not answer us a word, we either lose our faith or we stop coming to church or we react in another way or we even look for help in other places. But the relentless woman is able to persevere through even seemingly quiet times when God seems to say nothing. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. A relentless woman will go through embarrassing moments. And Jesus' disciples were adept at sending people away. You remember? When the children came, he said, Send them away. When he was with the 5,000, they were hungry, he said, Send them away to go and buy food in the nearest village. Send them away. And many of us who work around pastors, we have the send them away anointing. Amen. Amen. So the disciples said, send her away, for she crieth after us. Beloved, they were not crying after them. They were, he, she was crying after Jesus, not them. But they had it wrong. And they thought that he was crying, she's crying after us. Send her away. She's an embarrassment. In your work with God, if you want to be a relentless woman, you will live through embarrassment. There will be shameful times. There will be difficult. Everybody is walking nobly and in a dignified way. Then only you, you are coming. Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is vexed with the devil. We are not doing deliverance at this time. At this time, we are taking a cool walk somewhere. And then you are coming with an agenda that is not an agenda. But beloved, unless we suffer shame with him, we will also not be glorified with him. Some of us hide our problems in the church because we are afraid of shame. Two weeks ago, somebody saw my husband and I. My husband was telling me, oh, when she came for the counseling, she said that she didn't want to tell us her marital problems because she felt that she would be embarrassed. My husband said to me, does she know the number of cases we deal with and the fact that they are more dire than even what she's saying. But because of embarrassment, we will not follow through. As soon as the disciples say, send her away, for she crieth after us, we'll say, oh my goodness, I am an embarrassment. Let me just hide where I should be so that I'm not an embarrassment to anybody. But you know, to get your deliverance, you will have to be prepared to go through embarrassing situations. And that's what this relentless woman was happy to do. Amen? I was watching a video once, Benny Hinn conference, and a lady, you know, the power fell, and Benny Hinn laid hands on her, and the Holy Ghost was really moving, and then her wig began to come off. And she did this, and she was slain with it, you know? All these may be embarrassing moments, but when you need a touch from God, some of these moments, we must be able to overcome them. Amen. 
There have been many, many, many embarrassing moments in our lives. There have been embarrassing moments in our work with God. But if you are going to be relentless, you have to overcome shame and embarrassment. Imagine Jesus being crucified in public, naked. Naked. And the Bible says that we are not greater than our master. But we don't want to be embarrassed about anything. One of my friends and church members was working in this high-profile company. And then her boss asked her, oh, don't tell me a nice, educated woman like you also speaks in tongues. And she said, I do. I do speak in tongues. And I said to her, well, there are many more things your boss should be ashamed about that he is not ashamed about. So we are also not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So when I was speaking on that plane, I wasn't shouting because I naturally don't shout. But I was still speaking in tongues because my mind could not frame the prayer topic in the midst of the turbulence. And then this, my amplifier, was also amplifying the prayer. In that situation, everybody forgot that they were CEO, big shot, head of this, they form companies, they are in charge of oil and gas. Everybody had forgotten about that. And it wasn't embarrassing to call on God. A relentless woman goes beyond seeming embarrassment and shame in her pursuit of God. Some of us, we hide our faith. Some of us, but people have gay pride and other things. They have pride in it. But you don't have pride in your walk with God. But if you are going to be relentless, we are going to go through embarrassing moments. And we are going to survive them and also prevail in them. In Jesus' name. Amen. A relentless woman is not swallowed up by offense. She's not swallowed up by offense. When the disciples said, send her away, many of us would have been distracted. We will stop what we are pursuing and then we will sort you out. So send them away. Are you the one I came after? <laughs> Do you know my problem? This evening, the way you are behaving, hey, say, I don't like that. Eh? I came to look for the man. Do you know my problem? We waste time explaining to people who can't make any difference. We waste time trying to look good to some people. But this woman was focused. And she decided not to be distracted by offense. Amen? But many of us, we will leave the real issue. and say, look, some people even say, you know me. You know me already, how I can sort people out. I sorted her out fully. And you are proud of it. It's not the fruit of the spirit, but you are very proud of it. <laughs> a relentless woman is not distracted by offense. Amen. And not only was the disciples' actions offensive, even what Jesus said. He said, but he answered and said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm sent to only Jews. I'm sent to only Jews. And so you are not one of them. That's what Jesus said. I'm not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. And then the woman says, true Lord, I agree with you. But even the dogs can eat of the bread that falls from the table of the children you are talking about. You said that your bread is for the children of Israel. But even dogs under the table, they may not be children, but when the children eat and the crumbs fall, the dogs can eat it. How many of us, 
we'll be prepared to refer to ourselves as dogs. When Jesus says, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep, oh, we'll give up. So, well, he says, I don't qualify. He says, I'm a lost sheep. I mean, I don't know why he should say that. A lost sheep that what? Da, 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 da. Then you've forgotten the main purpose. You've forgotten the purpose why you even joined this church. You've forgotten the purpose why you joined that ministry. You've forgotten the purpose why God put you in that marriage. And you are now looking at things around. The relentless woman has a humble spirit. So much so that she can call herself a dog. It's not Jesus who said it. She said, true Lord, but even the dogs can eat from crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. Amen. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he shall exalt you. The Bible doesn't say call angels to humble you. It doesn't even say ask God to humble you. It says that you and I should humble ourselves by ourselves. Philippians 2 verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Amen. Lowliness of mind is what the body of Christ needs now. Lowliness of mind. Sometimes when we are even called to the ministry, my husband will say that we are not called to be presidents. We are not called to be big shots. You know, that when you are preaching now then, your Benz is standing outside and the engine is on. As soon as you finish, then you are off because you are presidential. Every shepherd smells of the sheep. Amen? If you don't smell of the sheep, then you are something else but not a shepherd. Amen? We need humility to be relentless in this world. The Bible says that unless we humble ourselves, then God himself will lift you up. But if we lift ourselves up, we don't get there. But this woman said, true, Lord. But even the dogs, they eat from that which falls from the table. Humility will make you take counsel. But sometimes we are too big. As for this, you know, this thing that God is saying, me, I can't do it. And pride is even leading to the destruction of many relationships because we are too proud. In fact, we are too big that even the church door we don't go through. If we say anything, say, oh yes, they put me in the preaching. Pastor put me in the preaching because of the problem I shared with him last week. But what you forget is that human problems are very similar. But because you don't receive them, you don't know. Many human problems are similar. And because everybody looks so whatever in church, you say, oh, I have a problem she doesn't have. Really? But it takes humility to say, Pastor, what you have said is difficult. But if God is saying this, then I will do it. Amen. Let each person count the other better than themselves. We don't do it even in marriage. That you take your husband's idea and say it's better than mine. No way. Or you take your wife's idea and say that it's better than yours. You feel that the idea is you. So if you take it, then you have gone under. So no. But the Bible says you count the other person. So if you count the other person's desires better than yours, you count the other person's ideas better than yours, you count the other person's interests better than yours, it is likely that there will be peace at home. Because as I take yours to be better, and you take mine to be better, there will be peace at home. But 
as you despise mine and I despise yours, we are not going anywhere to happen. The woman said, even dogs, Jesus, even dogs, they eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. The relentless woman is somebody who walks in lowliness of mind. Paul said, serving the Lord with humility of mind. Humility of mind. So when God uses you small, you think you have arrived. When God gives you a few gifts of prophecy, you think you have arrived. But everything God gives us is supposed to make us feel that what do we have that we didn't receive, that everything comes from the Father. Amen. The relentless woman walks in great humility. And humility is the key to being lifted up by God. Amen. The Bible says, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Worship is something that should be a part of the relentless woman. Worship says, God, you are up there and I'm down here. Worship says, Lord, this situation looks hopeless, but you are greater than me. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It means that what is in the world is also great. Amen? But then the greater one lives in you. So worship is part of our work with God if we want to be relentless. And worship is not only in church. Worship begins in our closets. Worship begins in our quiet time, which many Christians don't have at all. Don't have any personal relationship. All the relationship we have with God is corporate. But God is calling you to a life of worship. Amen. I'm running to the finishing line. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole. From that very hour. Amen. This shows us the reward of being relentless. The reward of persistence. The reward of not giving up on God. The reward of following God. Whether we see his hand or not. Somebody said if you don't see his hand, trust his heart that he's a good God. Trust his heart that he has a good heart towards you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster to give you a future and to give you a hope. Why does he have to tell you that? Because we always suspect that he doesn't have any good plans. Why does he say casting all your cares away because I care about you? Because we feel that he doesn't care. So he always has to give us a word to encourage us. And Jesus said, oh woman, great is thy faith. And that very hour, her daughter was made well. She had come through embarrassment. She had come through shame. She had come through being sacked and sent away. She had come through being told that she's crying after them. She had come through Jesus not even answering her a word. But she came to the place where her faith was commended by God. The Bible says in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. The relentless woman is a woman who persists till her faith is rewarded. She's a woman who lives by faith and not by sight. We live so much by sight. So he said, oh, Lady Reverend, I've been praying for this man for five years. He's not changing. You are walking by sight. But we need new eyes. 
We need to walk by faith. We need to walk by faith in his word. Faith that what he has said, he will do. Faith that he is a good God. And it will bring us through everything. And as this woman was relentless, this mother was relentless, this child of God was relentless, you and I will also be rewarded for being relentless and persisting through all the obstacles that came or come our way. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Could you please stand to your feet? I just want you to talk to God in these few minutes. Tell him you want to be relentless in your faith. You want to come out of the places where you should come out of. God says, therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And I'll be your God. Some of us are one foot in the world, one foot in Christ. And Jesus is calling us to absolute and total surrender tonight. You are here tonight. You say, Lady Reverend, I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I want to be sure. I don't know where I'll spend eternity. I've been playing games with God. But tonight, I want to dedicate my life. I want to rededicate my life. You are here like that this evening. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. Come out and be counted for him. Just lift up your hands high above your shoulder and I'll pray with you. I cannot live without giving you that opportunity. Let your hands go high up above your shoulder like the woman come through every shame and every embarrassment and say yes Lord tonight I want to start all over with you and if you've lifted up your hands do one more thing for me quickly time is not on my side come forward give me the privilege of praying with you give me the privilege of standing with you you put your hands up God bless you come forward give me the privilege of leading you to the living water where you can drink and not thirst anymore. Come, 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 come to Jesus. Come be through all the obstacles. Come through all the things that hold you. Come through all the things that this woman came through. You too can become a relentless person and God will reward your faith. Oh, God bless you. And as you have come forward, I just want you to say this prayer with me and mean it with your whole heart. It is a very important prayer. Come, come quickly to the cross and mean this prayer. Let it be your own prayer. Dear Jesus, say after me, dear Jesus, tonight I come to you just as I am. Take my life and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming to die for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. And thank you that by this prayer, I have begun a new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, keep, restore, strengthen, help, and use in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I have some books here for you to encourage you in your salvation. God bless us all. Father, help us to be relentless. Make us stronger than our enemies. Make our foreheads stronger than those that come against us. And help us to walk with you by faith and to come through all the seasons with you, Lord, knowing that you are a faithful God. Thank you for all mothers, for those that are having problems, for those that are heartbroken. I pray for your healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. Amen.
Come on, church, can we put our hands together tonight? Let's sing. You are the light that shines. You are the light that shines. To set my heart ablaze and fill my life with grace. You are the hope that saves. So heal me once again and fill my heart with joy and life. your love and I will always sing of your grace light of the world you bring light to my soul amazing God amazing God and I'll tell of your wonders to all of creation amazing God have a seat. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.